0: are listening to The Teen Wolf Rewolf. If I have to get one more COVID test, I'm gonna lose it because they're scrambling my brain.
1: Yeah, it's just gonna start coming out your nose. I,
0: that's how it feels though.
1: No, when I went to go get my COVID test, I was like, ah, this is how the Egyptians did it to the mummies. Y-
0: yes. Literally. <laughs> yeah. And today at urgent care, when I was getting mine done, I don't have COVID, by the way. Um, the nurse was like, I was like, Oh, it feels like, and she's like, like, you're going to sneeze. And I was like, no, like blood's coming out. And
1: she was like, Oh, <laughs> uh, but Hey, COVID free. Hey, medical professionals are never prepared for the things that you <laughs> say to say them? them. Yeah. I had to go to the dentist before Thanksgiving and my dentist was like, Oh, you know, this is funny. You're getting your teeth cleaned right before Thanksgiving. And I was like, yeah, that's just the utter futility of being a human being. And he just kind of <laughs> walked away, <laughs> like. My
0: my favorite uh, worst thing I've ever said to a medical professional was getting my wisdom teeth out. <laughs> I they really had to drug me up because it was it was a pretty bad situation, and the nurse was like, "We're going to give you pain medicine before you go under, so that it will be in your your bloodstream by the time you wake up." And I was like, "Okay." And they'd already started giving me the anesthetic to make me go to sleep. And she goes, this is called fentanyl. Do you know what that is? And I was like, that's what Prince Odie on. And then passed out. And as I was blacking
1: out, she was like, what? That is incredible. Um, I don't have any funny stories from getting my wisdom teeth removed, except that my mother can attest that I did ask her at least 10 times if I had said something embarrassing, which in and of itself is embarrassing. I didn't...
0: That was, like, the most... That was the closest I got to embarrassing. But as I woke up in, like, the little outpatient room... Do not remember the walk. No. Me neither. Gone. I was, like, woke up. I was, like... My mom was just sort of, like, petting my hair. And the nurse came in and she's, like, How are you feeling? And I said, Did I do a good job? (laughs) (laughs) She was, like... Yes, sweetie, you did a very good job. And
1: I was like, "Thank you so much for taking care of me."
0: She like clutched her pearls and like wiped a tear away because I was being like overly earnest.
1: An angel. Uh, At least that
0: made me feel a lot better about like whether or not I'm deep down evil. <laughs> Do you ever have those thoughts where you're like, "What if I'm a bad person?" I think
1: every fucking day. Exactly, mm-hmm. but I
0: think that that sort of proved to me that I, I'm not deeply evil.
1: Yeah, I would say so. Unlike. Apparently, literally everyone who works at Eichen House. Oh my God.
0: I know that the sort of ish is that it's like, uh, you know, a scary asylum, American horror story. Uh, but if this is like,
1: if Teen Wolf is supposed to take place in the real world. Which in theory it does. What the hell? I just, I find it weird because no other institution in the town is like that. Like the sheriff's station isn't like that. The hospital isn't like that. So for Eichenhaus to just exist completely outside of reality in terms of how human beings behave is so weird. Yeah.
0: Uh, You know what else exists outside of reality? This review we got on the podcast. Yes, we did say. Yeah, as we mentioned to you guys, if you guys leave us a review and five stars on iTunes, we will read your review out. And this one had us... Cackling, appropriate because the person who left it left their name as uh, ha, 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 uh yes. spelled phonetically. <laughs> <laughs> and we we really want to share this one with you guys because I'm wondering if anybody else can relate
1: to this. Please tell Please us. Tell We're us. curious.
0: So the review says, I got into Teen Wolf so backwards. First, sporadically, for the, f- pa- for the past several seasons, I would read fanfic. This summer, however, I started a yet unending binge of all the fic I could get my eyeballs on. Then, in I think October, I started watching the show. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> Naturally, I'm now required to listen to a podcast analyzing the show episodically, and this is where Christian and Julia really shine. Oh, mm-hmm. I love their insight, their takes. I love how much they love Dylan O'Brien. We love him. Uh, at this point, of course, I'm a couple seasons ahead, so I think the timeline has finally corrected itself. Uh, yeah, I like really. Uh, I doing this podcast was an introduction to the idea that people would read fan fiction for shows they did not watch, and then get into it later, which I have never been able to process. Isn't like the point of fan fiction because you like those characters?
1: Yes. Although I don't know, maybe it's because I don't read a whole lot of fanfiction. Um mm-hmm. I do exclusively about the hundred because I care very much and the show is terrible. <laughs> um so I need some alternative content there, but I would never be like, huh, that show seems interesting. I'm gonna get into the fanfic.
0: Yeah. I just feel like I'm so appreciative that this person is listening to the podcast and watching the show, but were they disappointed? <laughs>
1: Yeah, when you actually get to watch it and you're like, did did the characters live up to your expectations? Did they? Although
0: I don't really again read a lot of fan fiction either and never really did about Teen Wolf, so maybe it's really
1: bad and Teen Wolf is way better. I mean, I guess I assume I guess I guess it just depends on your preferences because I almost exclusively read like alternate universe fan fiction of the 100 because oh that just makes so much more sense to me. Like I don't have to engage with the actual world of the show because it doesn't make any fucking sense to me. So alternate universes with those characters make sense. I don't know. Maybe that's how you do it. I have no idea. I would love if this
0: person reached out on Twitter because I have so many questions mm-hmm. and I want the wolf pack to, to let us know what came first. I feel like most people, most people our age who started watching it at, as it was rolling Mm -hmm. people were posting about it on tumblr and then that's how you got into it
1: yeah yeah i remember seeing it all over the place even though i wasn't watching it
0: yeah they didn't get you but i did eventually so (laughs)
1: haha i really couldn't tell you what it was um why i wasn't watching it interesting
0: should we get into the show? Oh, thank you again ah ha 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 for that review. Uh, it really makes us smile every time we get one. We're like, "Oh, D- Julia, guess what?" and read it aloud and that one really made us laugh and we're eternally grateful. So if you guys review us on iTunes, we'll read them out loud and then
1: question <laughs> your priorities. I I do also send them to my mom to show her that we're, you know, doing things. Yeah. And it makes her happy, so there's another incentive for you.
0: Yeah. Sometimes I'll be like, oh, we got a review on iTunes, and my mom will be like, why? <laughs> <laughs> good question, mom. Good
1: question. Well.
0: All right. Now so we... I'm feeling a little bit bad about the Prince comment. I'm feeling a little bad about making fun of her reviewer, uh, which is good, because we're about to talk about this episode through the theme of guilt.
1: Something uh, with which we are all terribly familiar, I hope. Yeah. If you don't feel guilt see a therapist yeah uh and, this and a psychiatrist been, yeah
0: this has been the most guilt-inducing time of our lives mm-hmm. i felt guilty for getting a covid test because i was like well i don't feel sick i'm taking it from somebody else but like i needed to get it for work so like
1: ah literally i'll run out of body wash and be like oh,
0: i shouldn't go to You're the Target. store <laughs> i'm yeah exposing myself i'm not exposing myself exposing others <laughs> i don't know i don't know <laughs> Anyway, since we all feel constantly terrible about everything right now, uh, let's talk about how constantly terrible the Teen Wolf characters are feeling. But first, we have to do a recap mm-hmm. for this episode, which is called Echo House.
1: Yes. And Christian, you are going first. How do you feel about that? Um,
0: I don't know. I feel like this, this was like a, a very sort of typical episode of Teen Wolf. I thought it was good, but like it, it we had much longer scenes playing out instead of the like da 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 thirty second scenes that we have in the episodes that are really hard to encapsulate. So we'll yeah, see how I do. And it
1: was kind of all over the place tonally as well.
0: Yeah, it wasn't bad, but kind of a letdown after the previous two episodes.
1: Yeah, especially because um, I feel like in the past couple of episodes. Even though people are doing different things, it all feels like we're going towards the same place. And this kind of felt like two very different stories were happening at the same time towards a common goal, but the vibes were, were just so were different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, are you ready? Um, yes. Okay. You have one minute on the clock starting now
0: so the sheriff st- checks like styles into eichen house and he's like really worried because he didn't have his pillow and he's not gonna be able to sleep and then styles like gets checked in and there's a suicide right in front of him which is like crazy horrible and then he is in his room and he can't sleep and he wakes up and he's like i never sleep anymore and it's crazy but he has this sort of roommate who's like showing him around eichen house and meanwhile uh the- chris and derek are still in jail and they're talking about what they need to do to like try to figure out how to get rid of the no and chris is like i wouldn't feel guilty killing styles if styles isn't there anymore and it's like very sad and then he tells that to Allison and so Allison and Scott and Lydia have to formulate a plan to try to find a scroll that is hidden in silver fingers like prosthetic to like figure out how to fight the Nogitsune and meanwhile Styles sees Malia at Eichen House, and she punches him and then later he sees her in the shower and he's like why did you punch me and she's like because you ruined my effing life asshole no one's here to thank you and then they come up with a plan to steal the keys from an orderly so they can get into the basement because Styles is like I know something is down there that's going to tell me about the Nogitsune and meanwhile they the Scott and Kira and allison get a plan to steal a finger and they fight kincaid for it
1: that would be your 60 seconds i think i did okay yeah you were pretty close thanks to the end uh and now we'll see how you do i feel like i'm just gonna repeat all the same things you did Um. well maybe you can catch us up at the end yeah i'm gonna try i'm gonna try (laughs) okay
0: you have Mm -hmm. a minute on the clock are you ready Mm -hmm. one two three
1: Okay, so the sheriff takes Styles to Eichen house It's uh, his decision, and Scott is really upset. There's a lot of creeps hanging out in the lobby. The sheriff starts to freak out um, because he doesn't want Styles to be alone. Um, when they're going up to his room, someone uh, hangs themselves, which is really, really horrible. Um, back uh, in the... Vets office, Allison, Scott, and Deaton are looking for a scroll that Katashi had so that they can, um, figure out how to exercise the Nugitsune, um, Stiles meets his roommate, there have been lots of suicides, we meet Meredith, the other banshee, um, while they're walking around Ikenhouse, um, Malia is also there and she punches him, they have group therapy with Morell. Derek and Chris are still locked up and they're talking about the berserkers because they're, you know, they're for murder, um, the Nugitsune keeps haunting Styles. Morell gives Styles drugs to stay awake, Scott, Allison, and Leah, um, you know, come up with a plan to steal the evidence from the armored car. Um, Malia is showering in the boys room and she just wants to be a coyote again. The Mexican hunter lady that we saw earlier in the season who was torturing Derek is there to see Chris and she's mad because he walked away from the code. Oh, that's your minute. There was so much happening.
0: Yeah, well, I don't, I don't actually know if there was so much happening. So, as I, I think, both of us got caught up in some minutia at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what we really miss is that they fight Kincaid and they're able to get the scroll. And Deaton says that they may need to change Styles' body, implying that they might have to bite him. And meanwhile, in the basement, while looking for some answers. <laughs> Styles and Malia hook up. We'll get to that, mm-hmm. and then he lets the Nogetsune back in because Nogetsune has taken control of Oliver, his roommate, and
1: it's really upsetting. And yeah. Oliver tries to drill holes in their heads. Yeah. <sighs> yep. Oh, and then um, Malia leaves Eichen house She does to Mar- so go find Scott because she's like, "I'm on your team now." Sends her on her merry way. Yes.
0: So, in our conversation uh, pertaining to guilt, where do you want to start?
1: Hmm. Well, let's talk about um, Chris.
0: Chris says something very interesting uh, when he talks about how he had to kill a berserker, and the circumstance, like in how this berserker was created, was it's basically accidental. It was like teenagers doing occult things in the woods, which is like if you are a teenager, you have done occult things in the woods, obviously. Um, and they managed to turn one into a berserker, and by the time that they got to him, there was nothing left, and he had to kill, like, a 17-year-old boy, and he mentions not feeling guilty about it. Um, and it strikes me as interesting that that conversation occurs before,
1: um, the lady hunter who's... Do we know her name? Uh, we might. Yes. It was not mentioned enough that I would remember. Yes. So...
0: The sort of, like, cartel of Mexican hunters. Yeah.
1: She plays Alba and Jane the Virgin, and that's what I keep wanting to call her, and I know that that's not her name
0: in the show. Well, I guess we could look up the actress's name, you know, like good podcast hosts. Yvonne
1: Cole. Keep talking. I'll look it up. Okay, cool.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, But he says that, and it it kind of explicitly says it, that it's mentioned that that story happens before he's made the switch to no longer being a hunter. And then in the room with... Um, that lady, he expresses how disgusted he is by the code and how it, you know.
1: Her name is, um, Araya, which I do not think we hear up until maybe later. Okay. Anyway. Cool. Continue.
0: Um, it's interesting to me that he talks about a a moment pre-code breaking of not feeling any guilt and then expressing, how horrible he felt about his time where his family lived under the code. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a really intricate balance because I think that he still knows that there were lives he did save when he was a hunter, um, but also lives lost because of the code. Like, he mentions Victoria.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's her name.
0: Why do I always want to call her Veronica?
1: Who knows?
0: Yeah, he mentions Victoria... Um, you know, for example. And I think that that's a really interesting take on the way that we, we look at Chris, you know, he's not perfectly reformed and even in his own eyes. What do you think?
1: Yeah. uh, Well, he says something else interesting to Derek where, you know, Derek is like, would you feel any remorse if you had to put styles down is how he phrases it. I mean, like,
0: I don't know. They're werewolves (laughs) and they use vet terminology,
1: I guess. Um, And Chris has just, like, this anguished look on his face. And he was like, I would feel tremendously guilty putting styles down. But in a gitsune, I would feel nothing. Um, So he can very clearly make the distinction between, like, a human being and evil. And I feel like Chris has so rarely encountered pure evil Mm -hmm. in his life. And now that he's gone through all of these horrific things, losing his wife, you know, having that whole falling out with his dad, losing his sister. I think he's finding it easier to understand like what true evil is. And part of it, I also think is like a commitment to Allison, mm-hmm. because not only does he feel like tremendously guilty about his role in like Scott's suffering of which there is much. Yes. Um, but he also just like must walk every single day with the guilt over the fact that Allison doesn't have a mom anymore.
0: Yeah. And he says that to, uh, you just said her name. Araya. Araya. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Yeah. (laughs) I heard that information and then decided it wasn't worth it to keep. How ridiculous. But yeah, he mentions that to her and it's, we have not heard him talk about Victoria.
1: No. It's, I mean, Allison got a little bit of time to kind of process that. And we kind of saw it with Chris at the end of like season two, beginning of season three. Um, But it hasn't been brought up in forever. Yeah. Um, Like I think pretty sure the last time we see or talk about her is during motel Cal, no, the episode before motel California when she's um, in the bathroom trying trying to ditch Scott up. So we haven't thought about it in quite some time, but it, it clearly Haunts it's nice him.
0: to yeah, and it's nice to be reminded of that in in terms of analyzing, you know, the actions going forward of both Chris and Allison.
1: Yeah. Well, I also think their conversation is very interesting, um him and Ari's conversation because and maybe I was misinterpreting this. We didn't have the subtitles on, which I didn't realize um how much that affected me until I'm trying to think and recall this conversation. Yeah. But she's kind of talking about his family. And his response to that is like, well, that's complicated. Because when you kind of think about it, his family now includes Scott. Mm-hmm. And to a certain extent, all of Allison's friends, who are all either werewolves or banshees or possessed by an ogitsune. Yeah. Um, so he now has like this moral responsibility to that family. Yeah. Very interesting. It is
0: interesting. I also yeah, just on on as far as like that plot line goes, I want to touch a little bit on um, Derek, mm. who I think is now whatever guilt he felt when uh, upon what happened to Jackson, because you know that he would believe that to be his fault because yes. it was. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that there's an element of being like I already did this once to somebody and now I'm doing it again. Like it's not like Derek was the direct. Result of you know, Styles being um, like taken by the Nogatsune, but it was everything previous that Derek had done, like killing Paige in the Nematon, and bite, like you know, bringing Scott into this world, like all of those other things. I think there is an element of being like, I can't believe that this is happening again, and I was you know, at fault for the last time, and it's at. I mean I, I don't know if you can blame anybody for this one, but like I don't think that stops anybody from blaming themselves. The radiators are back. Yeah. The OG listeners are <laughs> like, that's what I was missing
1: from the Dean Wolf Rewolf. Annoying for you guys, fantastic for us because we are freezing.
0: It's, it is cold in Chicago.
1: Yeah, and the radiators are never on. So now they are. Yeah. Just in time.
0: Just in time Apparently. for us to
1: podcast. Um, yeah, Derek says some. Something I, I found kind of interesting where he was like, well, we got lucky with Jackson.
0: Yeah. Which, yeah, they did. Everything about the end of season two was pure luck.
1: But I think that's kind of how Derek functions. Like Derek never has a plan. Anytime Derek has succeeded, it has been because, well, no, I'm, I'm going to backtrack. Not that Derek never has a plan. His plans just don't work. No. So <laughs> when he does succeed, it is coincidence or it's luck.
0: Or Scott did something else, Mm -hmm. which is actually the end of season two. Is that like Scott came in with like a win at the end?
1: Yeah. So I think Derek doesn't see a genuine way to get out of this. And also, um, you know, of course, we don't know how much Derek knows about Kitsune's and Nogitsune's, but he clearly knows more than he's letting on. And he knew without having to be told yeah. about any of those things. So he might be seeing a little bit more clearly into, like, what a Nugitsune can do to you than anyone else. Why he wouldn't just share that information, I don't know. Because um, he... Uh,
0: withholding information is the only power Derek has in his pathetic little life. Yeah. <laughs> That's why. Yikes. Deaton, too, by the way.
1: Deaton really just loves to come in And inject people with things, and then explain later.
0: Yeah. Um, (laughs) Shoot first, ask questions later.
1: Yeah, that's Deaton's motto. Shoot first, answer questions
0: later. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to quickly touch on that, because I thought that that conversation was interesting, especially between the two of them, because both of them are kind of meeting in the middle of Derek being like, fuck the hunters, and like, my way is always right, and da-da-da-da-da, and like, Chris obviously having to reform into being somebody who trusts Derek, you know. The, it's in, a very... the intimacy of being chained to a wall with
1: someone. <laughs> it's a very mature conversation between the two of them, formerly mortal enemies. Yes. Yeah.
0: Um, who do you want to talk about next? Because I kind of want to talk about Scott.
1: Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's talk about Scott. The idea
0: that Scott is going to, you know, before we get into Eichen House and really know what it's all about, it really seems like, briefly the safest place for styles to be is in someone's care if the sheriff isn't going to be around because he needs to go talk to special doctors in los angeles Mm -hmm. and scott's whole like you can't do this i'm gonna break you out is noble but it's like kind of he's he's letting his guilt get the best of his logic because he has been the one to sort of for the last couple episodes kind of like let styles Go on this sort of no get parade mm-hmm. because he's been unable to like recognize it or parse it together, and now he's still assuming that the best hands are his own, which I think is really interesting. And you have to think that it is like a manifestation of feeling bad about everything that's been happening. Instead of like letting Styles, I think you know, he Styles doesn't really think that he's there for mental help. He's there because someone will lock him in a room and mm-hmm. stop him from hurting other people. And he even says, Scott, if you can't figure this out, it's not like a, oh, bite me and fix an ogitsune. It's like a, you make sure I stay in here for the rest of my life. Yeah. Which is a very heavy conversation to have.
1: I think this is a consequence of Scott not being able to be a teenager mm-hmm. for so much of the past couple of seasons. Um, Because, you know, season one, he's got his, like, youthful infatuation with Allison it's it's true love why did i call it an infatuation they love each other mm-hmm. um but he really he has to mature so quickly and he has to take on the responsibility of all these people and he must be feeling the kind of guilt where like he's responsible for these people he's been letting folks get hurt he's been letting his feelings for styles get in the way mm-hmm. and he can't see a way out of that
0: yeah, it's 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 giving him tunnel vision for sure, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting, you know. And and it, it takes being separated from Styles for him to start having to think about how we move forward, you know. Mm-hmm. Once he's once Styles is behind the sort of gates of Eichenhaus, like that's when Scott moves forward into reaching out to his other friends and trying to finalize plans, and you know, once uh Chris reaches out with a plan to get the scroll he's able to put his energy in other places but it literally took physical separation for him to start thinking about things clearly again because that is how deeply his guilt has manifested
1: yeah and he has he has kind of a moment at the end where he kind of gets to remediate some of that guilt um when he decides that they're not going to kill Kincaid which is kind of a foregone conclusion if you know Scott at all yeah um but I think, you know, with how reckless he has become in the past you know half a season, um and not to mention the fact that like they're all still heavily impacted by their experience with the namaton, which changed them, yeah, um choosing to spare Kincaid in that moment, despite the twins being like, "Yeah, kill him. <laughs> Uh,
0: yeah, and it, it's interesting because I, I feel like the twins are a little bit sort of like the devil on Scott's shoulder,
1: for sure.
0: Like necessary for his like life, but like not making the best path for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting when you think about like what the twins have gone through. They're so desensitized to their own guilt that even though they like Scott and like want him to be their alpha now we kind of don't really talk about the fact that they didn't want to be in his pack because they felt remorse it was still like a self-serving act like they serve as very good foils for scott like in Mm -hmm. how blase they would be they're like well this guy is really strong and fucked us up we might as well just kill him so he doesn't do it again you know
1: Yeah, and they really – well, they really do try to be like, Scott, he's dangerous. He's going to come after us, which probably has something to do with their former status as Omegas. Um, And Alphas,
0: because the Alpha Pack would just kill whoever
1: got in their way. And,
0: like, that was the safest way to be in the Alpha Pack, was to eliminate your threats.
1: Um, And they – there's a moment in the morale therapy group where she's like, "And what do we call people who don't experience guilt?" A sociopath. Um, Love how there
0: was like an, like high school AP psychology question, you know?
1: Yeah. By the way, this is a, <laughs>
0: this is a test in ther- group therapy. I also think it's you know how like uh, I mean, beyond all of the other unethical uh, practices at Eichenhaus, it'd be pretty weird to put two kids who just like punched each other in the same
1: group Group therapy therapy. yeah it'd be weird but she says that and it's kind of funny because in contrast like contrasting scott with the twins do the twins feel guilt i think they kind of do i think they do and yeah they do but um, just to a
0: far lesser degree they compartmentalize their guilt and negotiate it for places where they actually feel it necessary
1: yeah um So they're not totally heartless, but they certainly are not. They're not um, beholden to their guilt. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I don't know, can be. I think it's kind of a double-edged sword because you can let guilt kind of cripple you. Mm -hmm. um, And they certainly know how to move on past that. But Scott, on the other hand, I feel like is just going to keep... Trying to make up for it.
0: No, he, he, he drags his baggage Mm -hmm. behind him, um, in a way that keeps him very close to his core character, but also can blind him to other things. Yeah. And that will be a big part of season five season five, five. <laughs> well we're talking about ike house so, <laughs> so that's setting up a big part of season five um, this is a
1: yeah this episode laid a lot of groundwork it did for future in stuff a, in a
0: pretty impressive way like i didn't feel like it was too out of place but i was like a, oh i never noticed that this was when we started talking about the berserkers about mm-hmm. blah, da, da yeah so uh it's interesting um speaking of group therapy malia is sign of, sort of the central conversation about guilt in that therapy centers around her Mm -hmm. and we as the audience obviously know that she killed her mom and her sister, um, and has been dealing with that for, uh, years, eight years, eight years. Um, and when she tells styles that she's not thankful for, you know, quote unquote saving her, her big thing is that she couldn't keep looking at her dad every day, knowing that she's the one that killed her mom and her sister. Yeah. Which is really interesting to me because one, I think we obviously know Milia is in like house to get help for the fact that she has been a feral child for eight years. Yep. Um, but also like there is other reasons why she needs to seek help to deal with things that are like out of her control. Um, which is interesting to me also suggests immense maturity, which an eight year old wouldn't have, but teen will just sort of skipped over that a <clears throat> little bit. Yeah. Um, and I think these sort of big conversations about like feeling bad and her opening that up to Styles is what sort of facilitates them getting close. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a, a bigger conversation when they're in the basement before they make out. <laughs> this was controversial because when this happened, everybody who liked Dean Wolf was like, did Styles just punch his V card in the basement of a mental hospital with what would be like a person with the maturity of like a kid. And that got such like was such a hot topic of conversation. I remember like the Teen Wolf writers being like, "No, they didn't sleep together." But that's not what
1: the scene suggests. She takes off her shirt. And there's a se- the the thing that really gets me is when the camera pulls away and they're holding hands. Yeah. And not in like a in like a, an innocent way. No, no, no. This
0: was this was very clearly like and I said to you that it's, like, I, she takes her shirt off. I said to you that when it flashes back to them and they're, like, cuddling, <laughs> that they're both fully clothed, uh, which, I yeah, I guess suggests that maybe it didn't go farther than that and she put her shirt back on. But I really am, like, somebody was, like, we got to do a reshoot. This cannot be how that
1: happens. But, like, the craziest thing to me about that is that they must have thought to themselves they must have written out that scene where they kiss and styles is like is this your first kiss and then he's like was it okay and they must have been like feminism and and then did that (laughs)
0: That. it would have been fine if they had just made out but the implication that it the implication that they had sex—I don't really actually care if anything else happened—but the implication that that is what with the end game of that scene was, again in the basement of a mental hospital, there is a mummy, but
1: ten feet away on like the theater kid's sex couch. <laughs> that
0: really is what it was. That looks like the uh, the.
1: Um, you know the couch in your high in your, your high school, school theater. theater or, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Anybody who wasn't a theater kid is like, what? <laughs> well i hate to break it (laughs) to you ours
1: was floral just so you know i think they're all like
0: decaying shades of like 70s floral pattern yeah
1: um if you know you know (laughs) and if you don't god i wish i were you (laughs) what's
0: that like yeah um yeah, that was so, that was, like, out of all of the things that were uh, completely in poor taste in this episode, that one <laughs> was actually somehow worse than the
1: suicide. The suicide, the whole concept of the mental hospital, like, you kind of almost forget to be offended because that happened.
0: Yeah, well, the whole thing in the mental hospital was like, ah, uh, yes, the demonization of mentally ill
1: people. The opening scene where they're walking in, um... And no one has turned on a goddamn light, and it's nighttime, and they're all just like hanging out, and there's someone like literally twitching in the corner. And I was just like, okay, the fact that everybody's just sort of
0: like walking around in hallways by themselves is like pretty strange.
1: Once again, I understand aesthetically why you would want to do that. I understand if you're establishing Iken House as like this thing of evil, which we know that it is. Yes. Because we've watched ahead. Yeah, uh, we know. Um, that's fine, but like, it is so ungrounded in reality that there's nowhere. There's you, there's not even a starting point for you to like walk away.
0: Yeah, and even from think reality. about the second season of American Horror Story, where like in part the reason why it was so scary is because mid-century like
1: mental institutions are horrifying. like yeah,
0: we're, we're scary. Like this, mm-hmm. the idea of like a sanitarium is terrifying yeah and if you just want to be like being mentally ill and being institutionalized is an upsetting thing that's interesting but this was done so poorly and also again why would Lydia's mom put her in that place knowing what it's like because she has real life examples of people who have been in there
1: it is indefensible and inexcusable. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and it's also just like one thing after the other, because it's, it's the people milling around in the middle of the night and twitching in the corner. It's the suicide. It's the, it's the literally everything else. It's the kid being restrained to his bed at nighttime.
0: The orderly who is just evil. And I know, I know abuse happens in the mental health field. Mm-hmm. It's bad, but that was like egregious and terrible.
1: Because it's on top of literally like everything, everything else. else. Yeah. Because I think it would have been so effective, um, you know, if you're going to have the suicide scene in there, have that be kind of the only thing that's out of the ordinary. Because that would have been so much more creepy.
0: Yeah, well, I actually think it would have been more creepy had they actually given that suicide the value it should have had. Whereas everybody being like, meh, about it was... Didn't upset me in the way of being like, this is scary. It just made me sort of angry because I like the rest of the world Am like pretty tired of like mental hospital horror. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also find it funny and we didn't mention this in our recap, but this, um, episode also premiered with a, a mature audience, a content warning. Yeah. Basically, um, all for the first four minutes. Cause I can't imagine anything else that happens in that in the episode needing that content warning. No, I don't think um, so. But also we're way into this neglected to mention that it was directed by Tim Andrew and written by Jeff Davis and Angela Harvey.
0: Okay. And I will say not their best. No, certainly not. I feel I... like I started this episode being like, Oh, it was pretty good. And then I had to think about it harder and I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs>
1: what on Horrendous. Earth? And
0: a, again, a huge letdown after the previous two episodes, which were, mm-hmm. which I didn't have to be offended by. Nobody was sleeping with any eight-year-olds. Nobody was, like, vilifying the mentally ill.
1: I continue to be baffled how we, you know, are watching a show that was made in the 2010s. Yeah. The mid-2010s. And stuff like that is still happening.
0: Yeah, and the worst part is, is that Teen Wolf somehow handled it a lot better than many other things that were happening in the 2010s. hmm
1: I think about literally the first season of Riverdale, which came out in 2017, 2018, and they have Archie sleeping with the teacher, and I'm just like, what on God's green earth possessed you to think that that was okay? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's clearly, it's clearly laid out that it's not okay, but I'm also just like, stop doing it.
0: I don't, I, I watched the first like six episodes of Riverdale. It didn't catch me obviously because I hated it, Mm -hmm. but I remember it wasn't that it was portrayed as not okay. It was like sort of a, this is a sexy secret. And it was like, oh my God.
1: (laughs) It, it definitely later becomes not okay. And she gets murdered, which I do feel is justified within the world of the show later on. But, um, yeah. Why do you, why do we keep doing things like this? I don't know i don't know
0: i don't know and there's we could pick apart any random we could throw a dart at a dartboard of teen like supernatural horror and then be like who had the most offensive episode
1: i say we like we are personally responsible for this but it's mostly like men in their 40s
0: yeah yep yeah yeah (laughs) um anyway talked about Scott let's talk and a little, little. Let's, let's move into Styles. Yeah. so Styles is for this episode for the majority of this episode himself
1: Mm-hmm. which is nuts
0: it's nuts it's kind of refreshing um we get to sort of see his sort of like him stumble over himself in the way that like the no kitsune is like so slick and powerful even the way he fights is like you know he knocks Oliver out with one punch mm-hmm um, and to see like just have Styles back in form was like comforting, um because it's really uncanny to watch the Nogettine, not even just because it's like an evil force inhabiting Styles's body, but because it like doesn't exist in like it that shouldn't exist in that body, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, that's um, creepy, but yeah, he's now that he's Nogettine free, he has to start thinking about all the shit he's been up to.
1: Yeah, and v- right at the very beginning of this this um episode when he gets into how he starts to freak out as soon as the door is closed. And part of me kind of wonders if that's a combination of styles and the Nugitsune because Deaton says in the next scene that it, it might not be safe for the Nugitsune to be there. Mm-hmm. Um like maybe that's some of the remnants of styles. Yeah uh, or of the Nugitsune in styles freaking out. Which I think is interesting. No, he says the Oni might not be safe there. The,
0: uh, yeah, he's because they're like, oh, the Oni will come after Styles, and he's like, yeah, but they might not be able, like, they might not be safe in Eichen
1: House. Oh, I totally misread that scene. Anyway, um, I mean, now I'm thinking, like, did I misread it? No, um, I'm always right. No, <laughs> let us know. Um, yeah, Styles has to. Come to grips with the fact that he has been doing all of these horrible things. And he doesn't even mention, at least I'm not I'm not remembering that he did, that he bombed the sheriff's station. Yeah. Killed people who took care of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seriously wounded others. Yeah. Including Derek, who looked like a hedgehog when he was all
0: done. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, I'm confused as to
0: why... Like Derek and Chris would have been sent to the hospital.
1: Sure. Yeah.
0: Why were they back in jail?
1: I guess it's the next day, three days later. Um, I don't know. All right. I had maybe it's because it's been a while since we watched, but I was like, why are they in jail? And then I remembered. Remembered? Yeah. Um. Yeah. It would have made it would have been far more plausible if they were in the hospital, like handcuffed to a bed or something.
0: Yeah and it's it's funny to me that like styles this whole thing is that like this is where I need to be to be safe and then continuously like tries to be like, "But I'm not like these people mm-hmm um, I would rather hang out with somebody who thinks they're Jesus Christ than murders people for fun for that start. was the one funny <laughs> mental hospital <laughs> joke was about how everyone thinks they're Jesus
1: <laughs> it's like it's like every time you list off um a group of unusual names and it's like, Oh, what do you call him? And you're like, we'll we call him Larry when he's, when he's like, Oh, is that Mary Magdalene? It's like, no, it's Jesus. Oh yeah. yeah, Um, yeah. Styles is freaking out about the Nugitane. And I think, I think it's interesting. He's not more consumed with guilt. Obviously, um, he has a confrontation with Malia where she's like, you ruined my life. And I would like to be a coyote again, please. Where he kind of starts to think about how that might not have been a good thing which is funny because out of all the things that sales has done this particular season
0: well i do actually think that Morel tried to sort of goad him into speaking on it in group therapy that that's maybe a one-on-one therapy thing Morel, since you are the one who knows what's going on mm-hmm. um and then she ends up seeing the what are they called the
1: marks uh, oh, I don't know, but it's like when lightning it, yeah, hits Yeah, it's like you.
0: Lichtenberg or something yeah. like that. Uh, yeah, the the figures on his back end up, you know, stopping the conversation only to tell him that she will kill him via lethal injection. Okay, <laughs> actually, I do think that that's the most insensitive <laughs> part of the episode. The fact that she would even have a vial of that uh, is, no, she would not.
1: Do you know that that's part of the reason why executions are so hard to do in the United States is that there are fewer and fewer drug manufacturers who will actually produce those drugs. Yeah. Because it's
0: unethical. Because it, yeah,
1: you shouldn't. Yeah, it's unethical. Because we should
0: not, the state does not get to decide who dies.
1: Literally. That th- you shouldn't have the drugs in a mental hospital, let alone a prison. Yeah. So what the hell is she doing? I
0: don't know. And I, when I was looking on the Teen Wolf wiki, there was a disclaimer about that scene. Explain really? it.
1: Yes. What did it say?
0: Uh it was basically just like these are what these drugs are for. It's not manufactured in any of these states. Like it's only one of three drugs you get during lethal injection. Basically to tell people how bad that scene is.
1: That's awful. So
0: whoever edits the Teen Wolf wiki, thank you. You know what you're
1: about. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Ugh. Ugh. And then she does, and then and then Styles is like appropriately horrified by the fact that she might, you know, murder him and she's just like i'm going to maintain balance and you're like
0: okay okay i don't i don't think so
1: you're not helping it's not how capital
0: punishment works
1: at all um and oh, it's okay. not even Oh, it's just so bad.
0: I know I wasn't thinking as critically about the death penalty in high school when I watched this. I was like, mm, death penalty bad, because, yes. again, I experience <laughs> guilt, therefore, not a terrible person. Um, but I wonder if I had been seeing this for the first time, how I would have reacted like, as an adult. Oh, you did that, though. Do you remember
1: that no, scene? I No,
0: l- I actually do not remember this episode at all. I think you probably blacked it out. You're just like, "Mm, that
1: was bad. Moving forward. I really do think that sometimes to get through things like this, um, you just have to forget. Yeah. You just have to be like, I'm not going to think about it because if I think about it, I'm going to get angry. And now you can't ever forget
0: because we've immortalized it in this podcast. It's true.
1: That's part, I mean, that's part of why like season five is so bad. Um, like I can't remember how bad it is because it makes me so angry. No,
0: All I can picture is silver Sharpie. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Silver Sharpie.
1: Silver Sharpie and those three people walking around with their little um, bubble like old timey scuba diver heads. Oh yeah, Mm-hmm. the
0: aesthetics. The if they were like steampunk like old timey doctors, I would have been like, that's great. And The way they did it was so not good. It was
1: gross. But anyway, Styles is Back guilt. To yeah, Styles <laughs> is guilt.
0: Uh, I you know what's actually funny is I think that we were experiencing a lot more guilt from Styles in the pre in riddled. I think in particular. And even no Nogitsune Styles in the last episode. And I almost wonder if sort of the residual effect of having that sort of evilness inhabit your body is that like your adrenaline response to no longer, it no longer holding on mm. to you is self-preservation, which doesn't really allow for you to be feeling guilty. And also like there's probably still a little bit of that like no Nogitsune spice on there.
1: Oh, for sure. And I think for Styles, like his main... Um, focus for the episode is keeping the Nogitsune out because basically the reason why Morrell's like, I'll kill you, Mm -hmm. um, is if, you know, once the marks fade and if you fall asleep, the Nogitsune will come possess you and then we'll have, you'll, you gotta die. I like
0: the whole, like, it comes at night type deal. Yeah.
1: That's Um, cool. Which was interesting, but Styles' whole objective for this Episode basically is one figuring out how to get out because he's decided he doesn't like it at Icon House anymore. I would too. <laughs> um, what a shock. And then, you know, two keeping the Nugitsune out, and it's kind of like, oh, we don't have time for guilt. Yeah. We don't have room for that because I'm trying not to fall asleep. I'm yeah. on amphetamines
0: she's like i'm gonna give you speed and if it doesn't work i'm gonna
1: kill you (laughs) what the
0: hell oh my god all right i mm, are you ready to move into q's and o's
1: let's do it
0: uh do you have any questions
1: yeah since we're talking about Morel, didn't she die
0: yeah i really thought she got killed by the orthopedic cool that she didn't like impressed
1: yes maybe um, they thought
0: she had value or something
1: i don't want her to have died and like you said while you're watching bianca lawson's gonna work till she's dead
0: oh yeah there's nothing stopping her from booking a role on a high school tv show
1: yes um now that she can no longer be the teenager actually you know she, what? she could she sure could she sure could um she is almost certainly almost 40 Doesn't matter. but yeah i was so confused when she showed up um because deucalion like rips her to shreds basically because she steps out of the little circle and he's like haha i got you um so that was surprising.
0: <laughs> so she quit her job at the high school to work at Eichen House.
1: <laughs> Yeah, much better.
0: Mm-hmm. What? I don't know. Maybe she didn't like, you know what actually it is? Hmm. You know, she's making way more money at Eichen House. Oh, sh-
1: yeah. Almost certainly. Yeah. From a public school. Um, this, uh, I don't know. It's not really a question, but I want to know what happened to Coach got shot in the stomach in the last episode uh, with an yeah, arrow and then he
0: decides to hide in rehab for a couple months
1: <laughs> a couple seasons um
0: no actually he's in the beginning of season four is he
1: yeah yeah i just missed him because i was thinking about it and i was like what happened to him we're he- we're hearing about the impact of the bomb blast by the way the sheriff's station looks amazing for yeah, having has ra- been bombed <laughs> crazy
0: how fast that happened yeah they actually have an extra sheriff station on hand <laughs> um do you have any questions uh no do you have any observations
1: mm. I feel like we've gotten through uh a lot of them Lydia looks great Kira shows up and is like I know how to use a katana now which is cool as hell yeah we didn't really talk about the
0: girls but the girls unfortunately in this episode were sort of like to help the boys and to help Scott and Scott was not the he, he was, was not the main player he was
1: not doing it um yeah I mean, Allison's main motivation is to prove that her father is not guilty. That's true. you know, isn't that always someone's main motivation? motivation? Um, (laughs) At at its core, Teen Wolf is a cop (laughs) show. Kind of. Kind of. Uh, Uh, I thought everybody looked good.
0: Oh, yeah. Lydia's middle part, like, sort of bang
1: look. Mm -hmm. Very cute. Yeah. Um, Allison being very forceful. I I love that... um, Kira was in the episode. Cause I feel like it would have been very easy to leave her out. We were wondering where she is. Um, yeah. where she was. I thought it was super weird that, um, Scott couldn't take on that werewolf. Yeah. Kincaid yeah that it was really
0: weird yeah he was like roided up and he was like why can't you beat me alpha and we were like yeah why can't you beat him alpha
1: literally it doesn't make any sense and then it takes the twins coming in yeah and i
0: thought that they were gonna do some mighty morphin power rangers and they did not
1: i really think they can't do it anymore interesting like i really think that was an alpha thing for them
0: hmm. i don't
1: actually know
0: i don't really want to see it happen
1: because no. it's pretty gross it does wake me out yeah um my other observation was that when the Nogitune is trying to, like, get back in Styles' his head, he's like, every Dracula needs a Renfield, which is an excellent reference, but who has read Dracula besides, besides you? me? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I actually
0: think it might be required reading for some high schools. It was not for mine.
1: I know it's um, a play that gets produced every once in a while. It seems like a... a popular choice for high schools, but I feel like of all of the connivers and henchmen, um, pick one we know. Yeah. I mean, Renfield is a particularly disgusting character, but like, it just doesn't make any sense to have dropped it in besides being like, Oh, look, the Nogitsune is clever.
0: Like I also kind of like uh, as a trickster, like Nogitsunes do feed off of chaos and pain, but I don't like the sort of like outward, like I'm evil. You know, mm-hmm. I'd much rather it be like, we're not so different to you and I. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He, d- well, I mean, he, he wants to like, sow death and destruction, I guess, but it's kind of like a more for fun, more of like a Heath Ledger's Joker yeah. situation. I don't know anything about Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, so I can't, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But.
0: I didn't see it. Probably yeah. won't. Um, do you have any more observations?
1: I might think of some, uh, uh, but go ahead. <sighs>
0: The sheriff's breakdown about not having Styles' oh. pillow because you know it's so good because you know it has nothing to do with that pillow, but he cannot, you know, find the words to be like, "Here are the reasons you shouldn't be here." Because quite frankly, he doesn't really know. It just feels so wrong, like instinctually in his gut as a parent. And I just think that moment is so well done, and that is the last sensitive thing done in this
1: episode. Well, and then the continuity of Oliver waking up in the morning and be like, "Did you?" stay awake all night and sounds like, yeah, I can't sleep without my pillow.
0: I think it's okay. Can I just say, I think it's really gross when people bring the pillow from their bed, like on trips
1: Um, I will bring it in a car ride if we're going. That's your car. That's your own germ. It's my place. Yeah. Yeah. Um. When you ever see you
0: ever see when people have like pillows on
1: airplanes? Yeah, that's disgusting.
0: Disgusting.
1: Ew. It either it needs to be your special airplane friend.
0: Yeah, Um, dude. I love how coronavirus has made the airlines be like, we clean the planes now. You're like, you were not cleaning the planes. No, that's why. I have always said that air travel disgusts me. It makes me so uncomfortable. And now it it makes me feel worse.
1: Apparently it's like one of the safest places to be though. On an airplane.
0: Because of the recirculated air. Yes.
1: And the HEPA filters or whatever.
0: Interesting. Yeah.
1: The pillow thing was um, a lot though. And... The the whole thing, um, because when we were driving up, I was like, why are they going to Eichen Because, again, didn't remember anything about this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, is the sheriff putting him in there? But no, he knows about the Nogitsune. Yeah. Like, he knows about all of that. Um, he is just automatically going off of the medical stuff. Yeah. Which is the only thing that actually makes sense to him.
0: It's the only concrete piece of information he has, mm-hmm. you know? Which is sad.
1: It's tragic.
0: And you know, he says to Scott, like the only thing I have is a scan that looked just like my wife's. Oh. <laughs> Owie. So much. Trying to think if I had any other observations. I don't. I'm done. Do you have pack
1: stats? Um, I do. This is the first time we've been introduced to Meredith. Oh yeah, she's important. She's important. Um we don't know why. She oh you don't know get what? any more scenes, but
0: Yeah. You know what I you know what I my last observation is? Hmm. I severely missed Isaac in this episode, to no one's surprise.
1: Yeah, he's just um, busy recovering from being, like, extra electrocuted. Double
0: electrocuted. I missed him.
1: The fact that... um,
0: And also, like, had Isaac been there... The twins would not have to be like, we're Scott's strength right? Because Isaac would have been like, I'm here to help you, and I only fight with
1: my claws for some reason. <laughs> he loves them. He's um, dainty. If Beacon Hills were a normal town, and um, a person had survived being electrocuted like that, there would be FBI agents coming to like investigate him. If Beacon Hills were a normal town, Isaac would be the most popular dude <laughs> in school on the basis of just being the hottest. <laughs> it's true. Um, but Beacon Hills... Not a normal town, no. For better or for worse. All right, pack sets. Pack sets. We had three eyes. Um, we had Kincaid and Scott, and then a lovely little moment with Malia at the end when she's walking out of Eichen house yeah. and her eyes glow a little bit. It's very sweet. No claws. Malia takes her shirt off
0: twice. She's naked twice.
1: Oh yeah, she's like fully naked. I write down shirts, and maybe I should just start writing down naked. Um, yeah. So two, two naked. No ads that I saw. I didn't I see I could any have been ad. wrong. No. And thus far, no sirens. The radiators have been more than obliging though for the ancillary yeah. noise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People <laughs> like I listened to
0: the rewolf for the background
1: noise. <laughs> for the ambiance. For the for the whistling of the radiator. Yeah. yeah. Anybody
0: who lives in a in a pre war apartment is like, I feel ya
1: there's literally nothing we can do about it besides turning it off and being cold. Yeah. So. Which I'm not going to do again. We live in Chicago. Yeah.
0: Um, do you have an alpha of the week?
1: Um, my alpha of the week. Mine's Malia. Yeah, mine would be Malia too.
0: I love when we can give it to one of the
1: girls. Yeah, she's, uh, she's doing a lot. And she's gonna go find Scott. Yes, yeah, she's she, gonna help. She's out. She's taking
0: on real responsibility that she otherwise would not have to take on at all because she has no obligation to help those people.
1: <laughs> yeah, she could she could continue being mad at them. No, but for she a very decided that she
0: likes styles and mm-hmm. she's gonna do something about it.
1: Which is great. Yes. And we um I don't know if you guys know this. We love Malia. We
0: I love I love her. I love Shelly Hennig. Yeah. Obsessed. Um I think that wraps it up, yeah? Yeah. That has been another wonderful episode of the Teen Wolf ReWolf. If you guys like this episode, please follow us on Twitter at TeenWolf underscore ReWolf, which is also our Instagram handle. Uh, you can follow us at Tumblr at Wolf ReWolf, and you can join our Facebook page and share the memes and join the discussion at the Teen Wolf ReWolf podcast. Uh, if you really like this episode and you want to hear your words on the podcast... Leave us a review on iTunes, we'll read it out loud, and maybe we'll be nicer to you than we were to our previous friend, but we really appreciate it, and it's how we find new members of the Wolf Pack, and uh, we love you guys. So much. Quick housekeeping. For this month, we're going to do one more episode of The ReWolf, of just the normal Teen Wolf podcast, and a bonus episode before we take our Christmas vacay, Mm -hmm. Um, so heed this warning, hiatus is coming. Hate to break it to you, but it will not be a like four-month corona hiatus this time. So knock on wood. Knock on wood. Yeah, we have no idea what's happening.
1: Our table is not real wood, or I would knock on it, but in you know the floor. Yeah. 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 We're we're working on it. Um
0: other than that, I have been Christian. And I've been Julia. And we hope you guys have a wolf of a week. Uh, Awoo! Woo!